Well, Larry, you even got some white people to move. That's no small feat. Amen? Hey, I just uh, thank you, brother. So great. So great. And uh, you can come back anytime. We love you. He's uh, sung with people like Alicia Keys and Black Eyed Peas and different people like that and some other people that are famous. Uh, I want to say thank you. I just want to begin by going back a week and saying thank you to you, all of you who who financially dug deep and and helped support our food ministry. And uh, I sent out a letter. Some of you may have got it, and some of you may have gone into spam. My letters do that. Um, But one of the things that I, I realized that we could do is just by a gift of $30 a month to our food distribution program, that if we had 300 people who would do that, it would cover the costs of what we're doing to feed people. And I know many of you signed up already for that, and it doesn't sound like much, it's a dollar a day. But I want, you to, I, want to, I want to give you the reality check here. Because of the way that God has put all this together here for us, we can feed people for a dollar a day. When you give a dollar, you're feeding a person for one day. And you're probably thinking, I need to get on that grocery plan myself, amen? But you know, the combination of just uh, the way we're buying, the things that are given, and some different things that we're doing. Uh, So like during this service, there'll be about 100 families that'll be fed while you're in service. Amen, amen. And then reaching out to the Boys and Girls Club, that's about 1,000 a day. And if you think about the scope of what we're doing, it, it's, it all came because of COVID. It really did. Because what it did for us as a church, it caused us to pivot in such a way that we could become more of the church and express that love of God in even greater ways than we had before and mobilize people and plus, we got cool stuff. We have a forklift now. Every guy can appreciate this. A refrigerated truck. I mean, we've got cool stuff. And if you're a guy and you don't have cool stuff, you're just not cool. <laughs> Amen? That's why, ladies, if he needs something new that's cool, let him get it. Amen? Amen. So I just want to encourage you to go on your app, and just sign up for $30 every month, just recurring, and be a part of this. We're gonna keep pressing this, we're gonna give you more information on it, but think about that. You literally can change somebody's life. Because not only are we giving them food, but we're giving the gospel message as well. So we're doing both. Ben Franklin is an interesting figure in American history. Ben Franklin said on one occasion, I have lived a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proof I have of this thing. If a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it possible for an empire to rise without his aid? We have been assured in the sacred book, unless the Lord build a house, they who build it labor in vain. If you have found yourself in this season 
of wondering what's going on and what God is up to, be at rest, God is in control. If you watch media, nobody seems to be in control. And chaos seems to be spinning on every corner. I wanna give you a couple of words of assurance right off the bat. It has been worse in world history. God navigated his people always through every difficulty and every challenge they ever faced. The ones who understood their God, the ones who kept their eye on Jesus, on the word of God and walked in the power of the spirit of God, would fear nothing because God was in them and greater was the God in them than the God, little g, that's in this world. Jesus said, do not be shaken, do not be rattled, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And I want you to know that everything that's working out there, whether it's good or bad or indifferent, it is working out for the good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. When you really love God, you love his word, you love his church, you love the spirit, you love people, when you love God. And when you really love God, you put all of that into your daily life and you practice it in such a way that people will glorify your father because they see the good works that you're doing in his name on their behalf. So I want you to be the church today, amen? Well, let me try that again. I want you to be the church today, amen? amen? You see, the church was never meant to be timid, quiet, or shy. We were not designed to somehow be passive. We were designed to be active. We were designed to be warriors. We were called out of darkness into light, into the glorious light of God, that we might advance the kingdom of God in power, authority, by the word of God, amen? amen. That's our calling. That's your calling. That's not some people's calling. That's your calling. And somewhere along the line, Christianity got sold a bill of goods. And that is that we just don't talk about that stuff. We don't talk about Christianity, and we don't get too active and don't get too fanatical. We can go to a football game and get fanatical, but we can't get fanatical at church. Now, I don't want you, you know, writing the name of influence on your chest, men, standing up in the middle of a sermon or a worship set and showing us your chest. We don't want that part of crazy from the football scene, amen? What we want is we want you to live it out. You know, and if you don't engage your emotions in your faith, then nobody wants what you got. You ever met somebody that told you you're a Christian? You said, I don't want any of that. Because somehow they were projecting so different of what your concept of Christianity really was, Amen. One of the guys that I, uh, I really love this quote from Ernest Shackelford, and, and he was a polar explorer. He received from this notice that he put in the newspaper more than 5,000 applications. He only needed like 28 men. But listen to what it says. Men wanted for hazardous journey. Low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in the event of success. That doesn't sound like a great job offer. And yet more than 5,000 men lined up to do that. Why? Because the challenge was so high that they knew it couldn't just be done by anybody. 
And they said, I want to be one of those men. I will risk my life to be one of those men to go on the Shackleford journey across the polar fields. Jesus came with the same kind of call. Jesus said, I'm looking for men and women. I'm looking for those who would be true disciples, who would take up the cross and follow me. I don't need the pansy Christians. Now, that's not in the original Greek. I don't need those who don't really want to live out Christ in their life. I don't need those. In fact, he made his comment on that in the book of Revelation when he said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. In other words, if you're not hot, meaning fired up for God, cold, lost, then you're lukewarm. And he said, that doesn't work in the kingdom. Can you imagine a lukewarm savior? I don't know if I want to go to the cross today. You know, I, I don't know if I want to preach. The Pharisees have been so mean to me. The Sadducees, they're, they're just not nice. And what we've done is we've, we've fallen into this trap. If you, don't, if you only get one thing out of day, I hope you go walk out of here and go, I am a warrior for God. And I got a battle to fight because what's at stake is not my destiny in heaven. It's those around me who don't know Jesus. And they can go to hell if I don't say something. Because you're going to walk in, in circles that I don't walk and anybody else walk, but you're going to run into people and you're going to have opportunity. You need to speak the word of God. Amen? So let's start. I want to talk to you about the unchangeable cross. The unchangeable cross. The cross means what it means. It does what it does. It says what it says it is. It was never anything other than an instrument of death. Now, we make them of gold and silver and put diamonds on them and wear them as jewelry. But never forget, it's an instrument of death. It represented the most horrific way a human being could die on a cross. And Jesus went the most horrific way of death for you and for me. And so if you wear that cross, remind yourself it's an instrument of death. And Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 24 through 26. If anyone desires to come after me, I assume you're here today because you desire to follow Jesus. If you desire to come after me, here's what you need to do. Deny yourself. In other words, I've got to put God before me. I've got to worry about what God wants more than I worry about what I want. I've got to stand when, even if nobody else is standing, and take up your cross and follow me. In other words, the cross is something you die on. It's not a burden you carry. Well, you know, my husband, he's just my cross. No, he's a bum. Your cross is what you die on, amen? He said, all right, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. You see, if you become self-protective, then you lose real life. You're always guarded, always protected, always safe, always this, always that, and what happens is fear grows in your system if you don't stop it. If you don't face your fears, they will get bigger in your life. They don't get smaller. Remember that bully in, in grade school? Some of you had that experience. Maybe it was junior high or high school. And the bully kept pushing, pushing, pushing until somebody decided to take care of the bully. 
And the minute they did, the bully ceased being a bully because it was fear and intimidation that drove him to try to capture you in fear. Satan is a bully. He has no power. He has no authority. All power, all authority, Jesus said, was given unto me in heaven and on earth, and I give it to you. Now go and make disciples. So when you punch Satan in the face, so to speak, and say, I'm not going to bow down to your fear. That's not going to be my M.O. I'm going to stand, even if nobody stands with me. It goes on to say, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? You see, some people say, you know what, I, I, Christianity, that's just not for me. But what I want to do is I want to make sure I'm taken care of. I want my, my retirement. I want my health good. I want all these things. And you spend so much time in self-preservation that you miss out on life. Life is either dull or exciting. They're not much in between. You get to make it exciting. You get to stand. And it says, or what would a man give in exchange for? So what would you give for your soul? Mick Jagger wrote a song about it. He gave Satan his soul for a good rock and roll song. Guess what? Pretty good rock and roller. Pretty bad disciple. What would you give in exchange for your soul? Ease, safety, and security get in the way of a bold, fearless message of the cross. Let me say that again. Ease, safety, and security, they get in the way of a bold, fearless message of the cross. What are some of the benefits of this cross? Well, they're not available to those who don't commit to the message. You see, a lot of times we say, well, I, I'm a Christian, and you think all the benefits automatically come with that, but they don't. You see, the promise of power comes to those who live for Christ. You can't access power whenever you want. You see, you have to build up power. You have to have your own personal grid system where you're storing up energy all the time, a little here, a little there, reading the Word of God, praying, studying, standing, going to church, all those things, they build up your power reserve so that when you need them, you've got plenty to, to, to release in that situation. The reason a lot of people fold who are Christians, barely, is because they've not been storing up that power and that authority. The Word of God is not in them so it can, it can work its way through them. And then when the situation comes, they don't have anything left, and they just fall apart and call me. Oh, pastor, what am I going to do? I always like to just start with saying, I don't know, it's not like you're done. <laughs> Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 10. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men. Did you know it doesn't say confess me in church? It doesn't say confess me, you know, to the priest. It doesn't say confess me to other believers. It says whoever will confess, who confesses me before men. The idea is there's a public arena for confession. There's a place where you say, Jesus is Lord. Now, there's a million ways for people to get you off track. You ever notice that? Well, yeah, but what do you think about the election? Oh, it'll come and it'll go. And we'll, some will be happy and some will be sad. But guess what? Been doing that for 250 years. I think we're going to be okay as long as we're okay with God. Amen? 
He said, if you'll confess me before my Father who is in heaven, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. How do you like that promise? You confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. You deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. That's not the great promise you wanted, right? I like the first one. But God wants us to be serious about our faith, strong in our testimony. You see, Jesus never made the cross easy or seeker-friendly. People want, I want an easy message. I want, I want something nice that I feel good. Well, you got, you got in the wrong religion. This Bible is strong, isn't it? Jesus said this, they've hated me. You know the rest of it? They will hate you too. Well, I don't want to be hated. I want everybody to like me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a seven. My Instagram is seven, right? I'm just a good time. I, I want everybody to like me, and, and then I'm, you add on to that, I'm an only child. <laughs> only child, and we know that only children have all the best qualities of all the birth orders. <laughs> Amen? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Come on. People say, oh, I could tell you're an only child. You only said that because you found out I was an only child. They say, well, only children, all only ch children are like that. And I said, well, Jesus was an only child the only begotten of the Father. Yeah, but you ain't Jesus, that's what I always get back. Amen, amen, that's true. John 6, 66, do you realize that, that people who loved Jesus and followed him turned away and stopped following him? Look at this scripture. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. It seems impossible for us to, to imagine that, that Jesus who raised the dead and worked miracles and walked on the water and did all of these things and, and just had this great love and these great teachings that anybody would turn away. But guess what? It wasn't enough because they still love themselves more than they love God. They still love the world more than they love God. Well, I'd never do that. Don't say never. Peter said that. And he denied the Lord three times. You see, you have to make sure that you're day by day, you're building into your life the strength you need for tomorrow, amen? Look what it says in Luke chapter 9, 62. Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, we don't understand a lot about agricultural world. We don't really put our hand to the plow anymore and, and plow. But my granddad had a farm in in uh, North Missouri, and when I was young, I'd go out there and I'd drive the tractor and he'd let me plow the fields. And the most tempting thing that you, you, you do is you wanna look back and see how you're doing. So I'm driving the tractor, little Ford tractor. I'm driving, I'm looking back, see how I'm doing, and he's yelling in my ear, don't look back. Find a point and go to that point. Find a fence post. Find a tree, find something, and you keep your eye on that tree, on that fence post, and you'll plow a perfect row every time. And guess what? When you get back the other way, you look. When I look back, that row was crooked. But when I look forward, that row was straight. Jesus said, keep your eye on me, right? And you'll plow a perfect row. You'll be able to see a, a harvest come in. You see, the problem is, it'll all grow in a crooked way, but it, then it becomes more difficult to harvest. See, that's why life becomes hard, because you look back and go, why is it so hard? Because you plowed a crooked row. 
and you couldn't get in there and harvest because it was going like this, and it took more time and more energy, and in the process, you lost part of the harvest. So he said, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. The unchangeable cross, the unpardonable sin. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 and 32. Jesus said this, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven of men, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven of men. What a strong verse. Let me keep reading. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. To me, it's one of the most powerful, mysterious verses in the Bible. Because we tend to live out our life this way, that, well, you know, if I sin, God will forgive me. But he reminds us here, there is a sin that I do not forgive. I don't forgive it in this age. I don't forgive it in the age to come. If you speak ill of the Son of God, it will be forgiven. But if you speak ill of the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. And he, he puts a deadline here, a deadly deadline in front of us and says, do not sin against the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Bible, it tells us several things not to do in, in regards to the Holy Spirit. Number one is do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, what is grieving? Well, grieving means to make someone cry to sadden someone. And the Bible says that when we sin, the Holy Spirit grieves. He grieves our life because we're not sold out and committed and focused on him. That's the grieving of the Holy Spirit. As a kid, do you remember ever making your mom cry? It was the worst. She'd just shake her head crying, I can't believe you're my son. My mom had to do that a lot, about daily, I think. I asked my mom one time, I said, did I get whipped a lot as a kid? She said, every day, and it wasn't enough. <laughs> but is it, is, isn't it hard when, when you, you, someone grieves because of your actions? Holy Spirit says, I grieve sometimes over your actions. The second thing that it said of the Holy Spirit is you can quench the Holy Spirit. And this is the idea of a fire that's burning red hot and then you pour water on it as if to douse it and, and put out the flame, put out the power. Have you ever done that in someone's life? Have you ever done that in your own life? Someone's fired up for God, they're excited about God, and you go, yeah, I used to, I used to feel that way too. You just quench the Holy Spirit. How about you, you talk about somebody in their fanatical walk with God? You know, I can't believe it. They raise their hands. Well, you know what? You don't have to raise your hands to love Jesus, but if somebody raises them, let them raise them. Amen? You see, somehow we have to understand that we're all in this together. Amen? Now, you know, I know some of you wear masks here, and we want you to feel comfortable wearing a mask. And if you don't wear a mask, if you look down on somebody wearing a mask, shame on you. Amen? You see, we ought to love each other enough to give everybody the freedom for expression and feel comfortable where they can be comfortable. That's what the church is supposed to do. 
I mean, you wouldn't make fun of somebody because they didn't have nice clothes. Hey, you're looking kind of shabby today. Why don't you come back next week? Imagine that. So what we want to do is we want to embrace, we want to encourage people. So when it comes to the quenching of the Holy Spirit, we want to put more wood on the fire. Amen? Can you say that? Put wood on the fire. Amen? And if somebody quenches the Spirit, what are you supposed to do? Slap them in the name of Jesus. Amen? Well, maybe not. And then this third thing, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Sin that issues from the heart, a heart that is calloused. A person, the Bible says, simply cannot repent of that. You see, your heart can get calloused. It can get cold. And when it gets cold and calloused and you, don't, you can't hear and respond to the Spirit of God, you turn the Spirit of God away. You see, the Holy Spirit is given that he, that he might come and bring conviction and conversion. He comes to reveal truth and reveal the Son. And the Holy Spirit is said to be like a dove. If you've ever seen a dove, they're kind of, they're kind of jittery. And you don't have to move very much for them to fly away. Holy Spirit says, I'm like that. I, I, I'm, I'm a little jittery. When you start to grieve me, when you start to quench me, when you blaspheme me. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he'll speak in a still, small voice. He'll say something to you in your heart of hearts like this. You know, you know that's not right. And what do you say? I know, but I know I can be forgiven. Now, that's taking advantage of the grace of God. You see? He says, I, I want you to do this or do that. And you say, oh, that's just too much. I remember one time, I think I've told this story years ago, but one time we were pastoring a small church in South Louisiana, and we wanted to go hear this guy preach. He was a guest speaker at this church, and so we went there, and uh, the offering came. And have you ever been at an offering where it just never seemed to end? Like, is that preacher ever going to stop asking me? I mean, he, it, 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 and it might have only been a minute, but it felt like an hour. Do you know what I'm talking about? Hey, I've been on that end, too. Don't be looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm sitting there. We're newly married. We don't have much money. And all of a sudden, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, give, put $20 in the offering plate. Well, all I had was $20. I didn't have an extra 20. I mean, we were so poor that we'd, we'd hang bacon from a string and fight over the shadow. So I, I thought, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me that. I opened up my wallet, I looked in there, and, and she looked over at me during the, you know, you're not supposed to peek during the offering, but she did, my wife. And her eyes got big, thinking, oh, you're not gonna give that 20 because we're gonna leave that next day to take a youth group down to Texas. And that was about the only money we had outside of a gas credit card. And I said, I yeah, you're right, and I folded my wallet up, and I put it back in my pocket, and then the Holy Spirit started burning a hole in my pocket. He can get like that. I reach it back in there, and I think I'm putting it in there. Do or die, I'm going in. I threw the, hundred in, uh, the 20 in there, and uh, next day, this old guy in our church named Ansel Carruth. You gotta live in Louisiana to have a name like that. Ansel Carruth, Amen. Oh, Ansel uh, came up to me and he says, uh, preacher, he always called me preacher. I don't even know if he knew my first name. Preacher, 
Yeah, what's going on, Ansel? He said, you know, I was thinking about you taking that, that group to Texas. And I said, yep. And he said, and I went and talked to this guy and told him what you were doing, and he gave me a $100 bill and told me to give it to you. Hand me the $100 bill. And I thought, why do I resist the Spirit? That was the message I got. Why do I resist what the Holy Spirit tells me to do? Because he always comes through. God always comes through. Have you ever noticed that? Now, sometimes at the last second of the last day of the last moment, that's the only thing I have a problem with. <laughs> Other than that, I, I, you know, if he said, look, it's going to come through. It's going to be about a two-week delay. I said, I'm good with that. Just, I just need the assurance it's coming. But we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Amen? Walk by faith. The unstoppable church. I looked at my calendar. Pentecost Sunday was 22 weeks ago today. We've been open 22 weeks. This is our peaceful protest. I think today we had more register for children's ministry than we did before COVID. We open up new space across the street for our older kids, and we take a little van, our, our church van, and we haul them over there. They get in there. They think they're going to Disneyland. It's, they've been cooped up so many months. A van ride that lasts less than two minutes seems fun. <laughs> Amen? Don't you love it? They get all excited. I get to ride in the van, Pastor. I said, I know. Put on your seatbelt. It'll be a rough ride. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church. Who, who's gonna build it? Help me out, I, I can't read it. What does it say? Jesus is, said, I will build my church. I don't have to build the church. I just have to do the things that help, that don't work against the building of the church, amen? I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I want you to notice something as we kind of work, look at the scripture. Did you notice the gates of hell, gates is plural. There's not one gate. There's multiple gates. Then it goes on to say, and I will give you the keys. Notice there's multiple keys. As if he's saying, I've got a key for every gate of hell you're going to encounter. Are you with me on this one? You see, sometimes we read it so fast we don't know what it's saying. I got a lot of gates of hell on earth. I got a lot of keys to unlock them. So what I want you to do is I want you to just not just rattle the gates of hell. I want you to open up and rescue some people out of hell. Amen? I want you to bring light to a dark place. I want you to bring life to death. I want you to be engaged in this battle with me. And he said, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. In other words, he says, I'm going to take, give you authority and dominion that when you start calling things out, when you bind them, look what it says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I say, God, I'm gonna bind this right now. I'm gonna bind this in Jesus' name. I wanna see you do something here, God. And then it goes on to say, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So I have binding and loosing capabilities as a believer. This is a benefit. Now, where are the gates of hell? Where are the gates of hell? You know, it's interesting. It says of Pergamon in the book of Revelation there, it says where Satan's throne is. 
There's some cities where Satan seems to have dominion, where darkness seems to work stronger and it seems to avail in greater places. Well, the gate of hell might be your local school. And it's not because the teachers are all bad. It's because there's a, there's a, there's a philosopher and ideology that's bringing those kids from here down to here. Well, you're, the local gate of hell might be a local politician who's teaching something so contrary to the word of God that it brings about evil in society. What are you going to do about it? See, in all these cases, God says, what are you going to do? Get the key, go to the gate, and make a difference. You see, when it comes to politics, you can vote. You can vote. And you can be respectful of all people, regardless of their, their ideology and their political affiliation. You may, you may hate it. You may totally disagree with it. But remember, that's what makes America wonderful. That's what we were founded on was this idea of freedom of speech. And freedom of speech has to work on every level. This right to assemble has to work on every level. I don't know if you were here, probably a month ago, there was a guy marching out front, uh, politicking for free the Palestinians. You know, the poor guy felt sorry for him. It was about 95 degrees, and he was out front and had a heavy coat on, and I walked across the street, and I said, how you doing? He goes, good. He said, uh, Freed any Palestinians today? He says, not yet. I said, keep, keep going. Walk over, the security team says, what do you want us to do about him? I said, I want you to let him, leave him alone. He's doing what we're doing. Amen? Do I agree with all that he probably had thought? No. But you know what? I love this country. And I love the freedoms that we have. And I love the fact that we're not, we're not a democracy, people. We are a republic. There's a big difference. But guess what? We're not just a republic. We're a constitutional republic. What that means is our representatives can't do what they want to do. They have to do what the Constitution says they're supposed to do. And when they don't, we vote them out of office. Amen? This is so simple. If you just make it simple, don't get it all up in everybody's business. I know it's hard. I've, I've had a couple of snarky text myself. When you shut heaven's door, you enter the gates of hell. When you stop calling on heaven, when you stop accessing the power of God, you shut heaven's door. When you do not confront evil, you open the gates of hell. You gotta confront evil. People say, well, they're just, they're just good people. No, some of them aren't. Some people are just evil people. They are. The Bible says we're all sin sinful and fall short of the glory of God, amen? We all of us, but some of us just fall a little bit deeper. Become rebellious against God. We have many keys to unlock power and authority. I wonder what those keys are. You see, do you realize that your skill set, the environment you live and work in, your background gives you a custom-made key that fits the kingdom for your situation. One key doesn't fit every lock. What are you gonna do with your key? We are the church. The Bible says we are the body of Christ. 
We are the church, we're victorious. We are the church, we are glorious. We are the church, we have the word of God. We are the church and we stand against the powers of darkness. We are the church, we are clothed in robes of righteousness, not because of our goodness, but because of the goodness of Jesus who died and rose again from the dead. We are the church and, no, and death has no power over us. We are the church, we stop the gates of hell. We are the church, we live in the power of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. We are the church, we are triumphant in battle. We, no weapon will be formed against us will ever stand because we are the church. We will rise to meet Christ in the air one day. We are the church. Can you say it with me? We are the church. We lift life's burdens. We stand on our feet and cry holy. Well, stand on your feet and cry holy. Call out the name of the Lord. Say, holy is the Lord. We are the church. We sing the praises of Christ. Would you sing his praises with us in just a moment? We hold the shield of faith. Would you say, I'm going to hold the shield of faith? We use the sword of the Spirit. We know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We sit at a table prepared before us in the presence of all of our enemies. And, he, and surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why, we are the church. We have mansions prepared for us. We are the church. We are going to see him as he is, and we will be like him, First John tells us. He says we are going to walk on streets of gold. Imagine a, a place, a city, where the asphalt is gold. That's when you know you're in a good place. We are the church. We bring a message of hope and love. We are the church. We're not perfect, but we're forgiven. We are the church, we rise to our feet, we give glory to God. His praises will forever be on our lips. Let me ask you something. Do you know him? Do you really, are you sure you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior today? I don't want anyone to leave here without the opportunity to receive Christ, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Pastor, how do I do that? You call on his name. You call on his name in a prayer like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, you can just say it right out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I know you love me. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You were buried in a tomb. You rose from the dead to give me eternal life. By faith, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Now in your own words, right where you stand or sit, just thank him for saving your soul. Determine you're not gonna grieve the Holy Spirit, you're not gonna quench the Spirit, you're gonna flow with the Spirit of God, amen? You're gonna give him glory, give him praise in all that you do.